0: welcome to another fortnightly episode of war starts at midnight i'm chris gallagher
1: and i'm jacob graves on today's show we've got a review of ryan kugler's box office juggernaut black panther
0: plus we'll wrap up the show as we always do with some really rad recommendations but first hey jake hey chris uh, I made a thing the other day.
1: Uh, I know you made a thing. I think everybody knows you made a thing by this point. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, why don't you tell us about it?
0: So, I was talking with a friend of the show, Jason Young, who's actually uh, usually part of our Jedi Council when we do a uh, Star Wars review on the show. And uh, was talking with him actually about how you know I saw, saw the solo trailer before Black Panther and... Honestly, I was a little underwhelmed by it. And not just by the trailer itself, but by the story that it looks like we're getting based on the trailer.
1: And what do you think that is? Because it doesn't show much.
0: I mean, to me, and this, this could, you know, there's so much that's not fleshed out. So there's so much in the story that it could go other places and could be great. But that trailer looked like it's very much a like scrappy ruffian who uh, has a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to be the best pilot in the world, gosh darn it, and he's going to prove everyone wrong because no one believes in him. And that kind of sounded a lot like another star movie. It reminded mm. me a whole lot of James Tiberius Kirk in the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek, the the one that, that came out in '9.
1: A movie that I liked, by the way.
0: A movie I like a lot as well, yeah. Uh, very good movie. And so I felt a little compelled as I'm talking with Jason about it. Uh, I I just was like, you know what? I'm going to throw together this little thing. I'm going to take the trailer and just make like a, you know, five to ten second little quick cut of scenes from the trailer to Sabotage and send it to him as a joke.
1: Sa- sabotage? Is, is that classical music? <laughs>
0: my gosh i can't tell you how many times i've heard that today no so sabotage in um in star trek is obviously a song that's not just used in the original but it's also used in star trek beyond it was also used in the star trek beyond trailer that came out a couple of years ago and actually to to a lot of like people were a little angry about it they thought it was lazy um but Regardless, I was I was trying to prove a point. I was trying to prove a point that this feels less like Solo, a Star Wars story, and a little more like Solo, a James T. Kirk story. And so I started working on it, and I actually started at the end because I was trying to figure out how I was going to you know, cut the music down and make it all work. And I got this little thing where Lando yells along with sort of a big, yeah, at the very end. And I thought, ooh, that's really good. And then I accidentally the entire thing.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to tell you just a little bit. I didn't know the backstory to it. You missed a mark a little bit. I, it's more like you fixed a broken trailer is how most people took it.
0: Which, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, the, it's, yeah. So I, I, I made a thing and then I, I posted it that night and I went to bed and I woke up and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll post it again. So, you know, people who didn't see it last night can can uh check it out and then another friend of the show adam Chitwood, uh saw it and wrote an article about it and then everything went crazy it ended up on io9 and nerdist and all over the place and topher grace tweeted me like immediately after it would went up and like not just like at war of midnight which is what i normally tweet from but literally at me which like i'm personally like pretty like I'm not on social media and like I, there was, there was nothing linking to it. It was weird. Um, but no, there, there was, a, there was a lot of criticism that it's, Oh, well, anything that you put to sabotage is good. And that's actually, I totally a thousand percent agree with all that criticism. Um, generally if I was like, Oh, I'm going to recut a trailer. I'm not going to go like, that's like saying, Oh, uh, Oh, Fortuna or in the hall of the mountain King. I think those might help me improve this, this trailer, you know, obviously like they're, Things that are super compelling to uh, to cut to. But uh, needless to say, I'll, I'll put a link of this in the show notes. I will also put a link to my little secret special cut of it uh, for for lumpy fans only because hashtag lumpy needs love too.
1: <laughs> the, the best part of this is I like that the, the three trailer songs are Oh Fortuna in the Hall of Mountain King and Sabotage. That's it. It doesn't get any bigger than those three.
0: That's I mean, it's not totally inaccurate. There's probably there's 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 a couple other things that you could you could pull out there, but that's I mean, that pretty much covers your bases as far as like at least as far as like big energy building badass sort of sort of trailers.
1: Well, we don't only talk about trailers that we cut on this show. We also like to talk about movies from time to time.
0: We do. And so yeah, like I said, I'll I'll put links to this in the show notes if you wanna uh, if you want to watch it and uh, enjoy it or hate on it, I don't care. At me, at me. Tell me, tell me you don't like it. It's fine. I'll retweet you. There was there was a girl who said that uh, she could clip her toenails to sabotage, and it would be amazing. And I retweeted that. Um, yeah, so, but
1: it's the internet. People might want to watch that anyway. It's a weird uh, place. That's true. That's true.
0: Uh, but no, Jake, you're right. We do, we do talk about full-length movies from time to time. And uh, I think it's about time we talk about one right now. What do you say we dive into Black Panther?
1: Uh, sounds like a plan.
0: The world is changing. Soon, there will only be the conqueror and the conquerors. Step into the spotlight. You are a good man. Step into the spotlight is a good heart. And it's hard for a good man to be a king. So, Jake, I'm going to assume that basically anyone who's listening to this has probably already seen Black Panther. Black Panther already surpassed the gross of, I think it was in four days, the gross of Justice League in its entire run domestically. Um, this, this movie's been a bit of a, like, like you said, up top, a box office juggernaut. So I think we should probably dive into spoilers pretty quickly in this review. Uh, but before we do, I want to know just your basic thoughts. Black Panther first, I mean, there was, there was obviously a, a lot writing on this. Ryan Coogler, the first uh, black director directing a big Marvel movie, um, the first black superhero to get his own movie in the Marvel universe. Um, what did you think?
1: I'm not going to go out and, and always say I loved it and it's the best Marvel movie, but I liked a great deal about this movie. I especially, one thing we can talk about without spoilers, I thought the cast was fantastic. Yeah. I thought a a lot of the actors were very, very good, but I especially liked uh, Daniel Kaluuya, I think is how you say his name. Oh, of course Uh, you
0: did. Your boy, (laughs) Daniel Kaluuya.
1: I love Get Out. I also love Black Mirror. Let's just, let's just throw that out there. But he, he was Fantastic. Uh, Michael B. Jordan was great. Everybody just, everybody was
0: great in the movie. Yeah. I mean, Chadwick Boseman, we got it. We got a little taste of him as, as, Black Panther in civil war. Um, back again here. He's great. Lupita Nyong'o. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize that, uh, Andy Circus was so swole. I don't know when that I, happened. I, I, I just assumed he, he, it was a CG character. <laughs> Fair. Um, but no, I mean, even like Forrest Whitaker, Angela Bassett, uh, everyone everyone top to bottom is really solid in this. I I will agree with you on that So the what
1: the one the one complaint I did have about that you, you brought up uh, Lupita Nyong'o. yeah, I, th- I thought she was a little underused like she was in there a lot, but she didn't do as much as I would have liked to have seen her do because she is so good.
0: No I, I agree and I mean have you seen the calls probably not because you've probably been avoiding stuff because you you just came from Black Panther, right? like you're yes. you're fresh off of it. Mm-hmm. There've been a lot of calls on Twitter for like okay, we got to see like uh we got to see a team up between uh Nokia and uh Black Widow doing like spy stuff,
1: which would be amazing. Oh, that sounds that sounds great. It it could be a prequel or it could occur in a few you know, I don't care where it happens, but that 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 would be a lot of fun.
0: Well, but also it, it opens up to be tonally a completely different movie like a standalone uh, film versus, which seems to be where Marvel is going for the better, in my opinion. Other than like, I, did you see the Infinity War trailer before this? I don't think you you hadn't seen no. It, it, before, it didn't.
1: Right? We didn't see Infinity War. We saw um, Ant Man and the Wasp. And um, Infinity War looks bad. And Venom. Venom was the
0: other well, one looks, we saw. I, I won't say it looks bad. It looks. It looks like more of the same.
1: But I'm bigger. excited about Infinity War. But we can talk more about that after okay. this. The the thing I would like to see if it, if it was going to be a, a black widow uh pair up spin off i would like to see them versus each other because marvel is at its strongest when it has two characters who you can see
0: both points of view
1: or at least understand where they're coming from and not let's end all of
0: the world i don't think they have to be versus each other they just need stronger villains and that's and that's really the thing that i i love about this this movie i guess i haven't stated like i, I think this is the best most mature um marvel movie we have we have gotten this feels like this feels like a real step forward i mean i i think we're in a place now i mean it's been 10 years since iron man and (laughs) the incredible hulk and um you know it's it's time for some maturity you know these superhero movies have really sort of become the westerns of our age and up until recently, I mean, we, at least in this wave, we've, you know, we've seen stuff like the Dark Knight trilogy, and we've seen stuff uh, like the the Guardian stuff has been doing its own thing, but more or less, the it's been pretty rigid. Um, this last wave, this newest wave of Marvel has been breaking out, but this feels like this really sets the tone for where they are to go next in dealing with uh, just some thematic heft and not just, you know, it's not just like you root for the good guy, you root against the bad guy. There it all is.
1: You, you squared this up in, entirely correctly. They are the Westerns of our generation. I love that take on it because it is showing the responsibility of people with power yeah. and, and what, what should your responsibility be? And if you're out there, you know, in the Western it would be wielding a gun. People are going to die here. It's superheroes um, have an impact, which was civil war. Also, bringing up Civil War, I would say this is most closely kin to Civil War. Oh in, yeah, in asking what is the role of these people in society, whether it be superheroes, should they be regu- regulated or should they be independent and on their own? This one's asking what is the role of Wakanda? Should it be a helper? Should it be hidden? Should it, where where should that where what should its role be? And it it's asking those big questions because it has set up this this universe that it can use as an allegory. And and it is a really powerful thing. And I mean it works. It it really does. And using it like a western is the, the best use of superheroes and the thing that can keep them around for longer and not just burn out with the this guy wants to end all the civilization yeah. over and over again.
0: Yeah. It's you can't you can't have a major world ender or Devastating city or country ender every single time,
1: and it's the fact that they put them in the universe together means you can't have that every yeah. time because there is some continuity, and since the world has to go on, they have to make movies where the world can go on after.
0: Yeah, not every movie and can be Cabin in
1: the Woods. <laughs> we we could hope so, but 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 by making it have to go on, just like uh, you know the mythos of the American West on on the screen, all those movies sort of take place in the same West. Not all of them. There's a couple different types. There's spaghetti western or or John Ford's kind of universe, but those all take place in the same West with sort of the same rules that have built been built up. They're different characters. They're played a lot of times by the same actor, so you kind of know their archetype. Th- that is what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is. It's that reinvention, and it's just it's it's codified it into a firm universe with rules and recurring characters and all that stuff. But but I I just love that interpretation of it.
0: Well, and I mean, I think it's also I'm I'm looking long game at this because it doesn't look like these superhero movers are going away anytime soon. The the things that have lasted with the Westerns that have stuck around in sort of the uh, in the American lore and in the I mean, because they're all about mythos. They're all about they're all about a lot of things that these comic book movies are by nature already exploring, but the ones that have stuck around are the ones that had something to say also about the society in which they were like the society that was, uh, viewing them. So not just, not just this far away mythical land, but also reflecting back. And I, that's what I think, Black Panther does so very well here is it, I mean, there's a, to, to get back to the point that I was kind of getting at when, when I brought all of this up uh, there's, there's a good portion where I was rooting for Killmonger. I like he, he makes a, a solid enough argument that you can see the uh you can see his perspective and you can see why he would uh, come to the conclusions that he does. And that's something that I can't say with a whole lot of villains, be it Marvel or DC. Um, So I, I really applaud them for taking that chance of not just making it where it's like, Oh, well, Killmonger's the bad guy. He's bad. You should root for him to, uh, for him to get defeated because he's really, I mean, even in his final lines, you see where he's coming from and it's so powerful. And, but all of that, all of that hinges on uh, the, the line that, T'Challa's father gives him whenever he goes, goes to see him. And, and he says, it's hard for a good man to be King. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really the underlying thread of all of this is T'Challa really trying to come to terms with how he manages this power, because it's not just, it's not just you're righteous. And then that, that will lead you. There's, there's a whole lot more, uh, implication and a whole lot more going on and you're going to make mistakes. And there's, there are going to be gray areas and factors where both sides have a, you know, it's not, it's not black and white. And I love that. I love that. We've, we've got superhero movies that are diving that deep into r- r- debate. Um It's, it's marvelous.
1: I could just see in the next five years, seeing shirts that say stuff like Killmonger was right. Like some people are legitimately going to be Killmonger fans. That is going to be, their guy
0: I, I thought about that as well. I thought because I've never understood you know, even when I was a kid, I never understood my friends who who were like, "Oh yeah, I love Darth Vader. Darth Vader was always a bad dude. I could understand loving Killmonger.-hmm
1: yeah, it, it's just y- if you agree with with his point of view on it and,
0: and you could, that you legitimately could. I mean He's I, not- I do to an extent. That's that's the thing, is like he's not he's not wrong. He's just he's just a little too extreme in his
1: Yeah, he went a little too far when it was like, kill everybody, kill everybody who even supports them. Like that that was where he went a bit far, but but the basis of his character
0: The thing that I think is interesting there is you've got you what what it really boils down to is it's he is reacting to the colonialism. He is reacting to he is a black American man who has so he is reacting to all of the systemic oppression, everything from his experience growing up in, I mean, I think it's very poignant that they place this in 1992 Oakland. Um, I don't know if it's the, I don't think it's the Rodney King beatings, but it's maybe rioting or something going on on the TV in the the very beginning. I mean, it's it, he, Kugler from the very start is saying like, okay, this is, this is the world that we're going to drop you into. And it's not, it's not pretty. And it's not, but it's also not like, trying to make it really um gross and like oh look at the squalor you know yeah, uh,
1: about the most uh, bit of poverty that we see on screen is a milk carton crate being used as a basketball hoop sure other than that it is very much disnified image of it
0: well I I wouldn't say disnified I mean I think I I think he approaches it uh very tactfully um, yes. and and presents it presents it in a great uh, in, in a great way uh but the the baggage that comes along with Killmonger being raised as he is, with basically with the oppression of, of the colonialism, versus uh T'Challa coming from this place that has literally walled itself off. I mean, it's it is a nationalist isolated country. The only reason that that the country is as powerful as it is is because it walled itself off from Colonial colonialism, and because it was able to avoid that and not get involved. But the what the movie is ultimately asking is: is that the right thing to do? And, and, and
1: it calls into question identity, your yeah. identity as a as a group of people. Where do you draw that from? Even though he's even though Killmonger is from Wakanda, he draws uh, his identity more from the Black American male. Whereas the Wakandans clearly are Wakandans and Wakandans first.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and so you've got, you, you've got that coming in and it's sort of, I, I guess I would equate it to a, a better use of like Tony Stark being an alcoholic, which you don't really see much in these movies. You see it more in the comic books, but that's sort of a lot of, you know, a lot of these Tony Stark is an alcoholic. You've got Peter Parker, who uh, he feels this in this guilt for all of his life. You know, all of all these Marvel characters have something tragic about them, or something conflicted about them. And the thing that I think is interesting here is that it's it's conflict in the best intentions. And and that's just it's a beautiful way to uh, to approach dialogue and discourse.
1: Yeah. So there's two parts I'll say to that. One thing is I don't think that Black Panther had any or T'Challa had any personal flaws in the movie, no, at all, no, and and which, which is good, and I enjoy watching that because his he that that was the refreshing part is that he just struggled with the problems of his nation and what it is like to lead. But also, I could see in the future them exploring some some personal issues that he may have because that was that was not like even Captain America has his whole Bucky dilemma
0: going. Oh, on. I don't give a f- about Bucky.
1: Well, you're wrong because Bucky's great, and it's a great storyline, but but we can cover that later.
0: We can agree to disagree there let's let's go ahead and dive into spoilers. i I don't think there's too much that really that we're gonna spoil with this, but there is something that I would like to talk about that is sensitive to the ending of this movie. So rolling spoilers right now. Spoilers. If you don't hear alert, right now. So as we're talking about sort of the uh, the fluidity of the morality in this and, and everything and um, and and Killmonger and Killmonger as a as a character who's not just all evil dude. Twirling his mustache, he's a dude who has a perspective you can understand. I, I think, uh, you know, those his final line of "bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who jumped from ships uh, because they knew death was better than bondage." That is a strong gut punch of a final line.
1: Yeah, I, I think it got a, a smattering of applause in in my screening. R- I mean, Which, rightly so.
0: It's well, I, I mean, because it's it it leaves you in a place that. Is a little, I mean, it's, it's, it's giving you as maybe as close to a John Carpenter ending to a, to a Marvel movie as you can get where it's not, it's not just like, oh, we tied a bow on it and we saved the day. Like you still got some stuff to deal with.
1: Well, and, and it's a villain who maintained his belief till the end and, and is still pointing out things that he wanted to say. He had a, he had a very core belief system and he was a well fleshed out character. As far as
0: that went, well, and and from the beginning, I mean, he his introduction is so good. I I loved 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 uh, the that whole uh, heist, the the museum mm-hmm. heist scene, which honestly might be my favorite set piece of the entire thing. It's it's simple. It's not just there to make action, but it's there for uh, purpose of character development and those sorts of things as well. And and Michael B. Jordan just so darn good in it.
1: He he's great and I actually thought he did a whole lot better than Andy Circus who was there but was so over the top that I'm just like okay. I mean
0: Andy Circus as Claw is the type of bad guy that you expect or that you would have expected from Marvel, you know.
1: Yeah. Like it like his best is like he's morally ambiguous cuz he wants some money. Like he he he's a terrible version of the Vulture at best. But by the way, Vulture I think is also still a top tier Marvel
0: villain. I still haven't seen it so I can't I can't speak to that. Um, but it's no, he's, I mean, he's just, he's just your, he's a very black and white comic book sort of, um, sort of bad guy. And that's, that's fine because he's, you know, he's there for a purpose and that purpose is to steal some stuff and then die. Um, and so he's, I mean, he's obnoxious. I was like, I was not, I was not upset to see him go. It was, it was much harder with, with Killmonger. Um, do you want to talk about set pieces a little bit? Sure. Um, so we, we got the museum heist. I th- I thought that was great. What do you think of the, the brawl at the waterfall, this challenge to, uh, to the, to the throne?
1: Well, i just full disclosure. I didn't think this was a perfect movie. Um, so that's one of the things I loved the brawl by the waterfall. I loved the fight in the water. I liked how it looked. I had a little trouble tracking some of the action, like exactly what was going on. It was a bit Marvel movie. Cut. Yeah, it, but not, not all. Anyway. Um, some of those long shots though, where it was like everybody standing on rocks didn't do it as much for me. I don't know if the colors were popping too much or I'm sure that was on purpose to show how vibrant and, uh, the different groups were and all that, but it's just something about that was not as top tier as some, some of the other visuals, but
0: yeah. And I mean, I think, I think generally I was listening to the, uh, Collider podcast with, uh, Adam Chitwood. And uh, Matt Goldberg, and they were talking about how a lot of the Marvel movies, they actually second unit shoots the action scenes. And so I don't know if because that one's a little different. It's not just straight action. It's sort of action mixed with uh, mm-hmm. more actual acting. Um, but it it doesn't. And maybe it's because so much of it is this. It, it felt like a very hyper real uh, CG HDR thing. Yeah. Like uh, that that was a little too. Yeah, maybe too vibrant is the right the 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 right word it wasn't i mean i think i think rachel morrison did a beautiful job with this uh throughout but uh vis- no i i i agree with you there like visually that scene doesn't totally work for me but what it does for establishing sort of the i, I think there's something interesting there in the duality that these are the most advanced people in the world And yet they still have these sort of tribal things, these things that are just their traditions that they've always done. And so they continue to like it. It it sets up where we go later with the the conflict of are we doing the right thing Um, that 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 whole inner inner conflict with Black Panther.
1: Well, and and it matched the um, kind of the visual aesthetic, like you said, the juxtaposition of like tribal with high tech. Yeah, Uh, that the the city had that it had skyscrapers that looked like it had thatched roofs Mm -hmm. uh, halfway up or a thatched roof halfway up market streets, but also high tech in the background. Yeah, Uh, didn't love the way I don't know if the city was also called Wakanda didn't love the way it looked because it just it just didn't strike me exactly like I wanted to see it. But who am I to say?
0: Well, it didn't. I mean, for me, it, it was more that it didn't feel like we ever got a lot of time down like, in it.
1: Yeah. I, I, I At one point, they showed a long shot of it, and I was really like, you know, I, I want to know more about Wakanda, like, but down on the streets. Like, I would almost rather just, like, this is a Wakandan story. Mm-hmm. Just on the streets, this is what life's like in this city, because it's a really interesting juxtaposition, and I wanted to know more, but we never really got into it. We never followed a single common person throughout yeah. the whole movie. It yeah. was all... You know the elites and the court and all that. stuff.
0: Well, maybe when we get Lupita Nyong'o's uh, spy movie, she can she can do some internal spying and and we can get a little bit of that. That would be that'd be wonderful.
1: Or, or maybe we find out where she came from. Maybe she came from the streets. We don't know.
0: I I bring up though the brawl at the waterfall because I want to talk about Mbaku, the the guy that that he fights. Gosh, I love Mbaku. He's oh yeah, he's he's, he's great. He, he's great. I I like he might be my favorite character of, of the movie. He's like, I thought his jokes landed really well. Um, he has, he has a real great presence on, on screen. This, this actor, Winston Duke. Um, and I was excited to find out that he's going to be in infinity war.
1: Awesome. I mean, he, uh, his character is a supervillain in the black Panther comics called Manape, and they change it to M'Baku for the movie. Uh, really? Yeah. So we might see him as a villain of a, a next movie, which is something I wanted to talk about. Where do you think Black Panther goes from here? Obviously, he next appears in Infinity War. But with the success of the movie, you have to imagine there's going to be a second standalone Black Panther movie at some point. What territory do you think that covers?
0: You know, I I don't know. It does feel like Marvel's leaning a little more in the direction of these standalone movies, these movies that don't have to be so totally interconnected. So I think that does leave a lot of room to explore. Like, it, it opens it up to explore more options more avenues so i don't know i mean and i i think kugler only had a contract for this so hopefully they try to bring him back and hopefully he does come back um because i think i mean overall the other like the other thing that i was very impressed with with this beyond just the maturity of the uh the story from start to finish was this is one of the few Marvel movies that feels like, and I would say I would lump Guardians in there as well. But one of the few Marvel movies that feels like you can feel the presence of the director in it, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, agree I think with that. I think that is very important. That is so much of Coogler and working again with Rachel Morrison, who he worked on with Fruitvale Station. Um, it they like they create a very vibrant world that feels like. Uh, it 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 feels like only they could have made it, and and so I hope I hope they come back for another one. If uh, if they they make a sequel, and obviously they will, because it's printing money right now.
1: What's interesting is I was about to say, well, don't forget the Russo brothers because I love the Russo brothers. I think they're fantastic, but I don't know that they have as strong of a signature on the movie as much as they just do really fantastic, fantastic work and great action and all that. And that is their signature. Not a you can't pick out an action movie, you can say that was really well done and then go, Oh, that's by them. But I don't know that they have a signature kind of feel that they imprint upon a movie.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they do. And to be honest, I don't love winter soldier. I
1: like it, but I still think it's the third best in that
0: franchise.
1: Okay, good. Because that's correct. I go back and forth on whether civil war or first adventure is better.
0: Well, yeah, they're, and they're good for completely different reasons. Well, mm-hmm. um, that's that's the thing is is like winter soldier it thinks it's being smarter than it is and it just sort of it falls in the middle ground for me
1: yeah as much as everybody sold it to me as this is just a 70s spy
0: thriller it wasn't it was it had parts of it it's it's what you think of as a 70s spy th- thriller if you haven't watched any 70s spy thrillers <laughs>
1: that's that that is the best way
0: they're like oh robert redford's in it obviously three days of the condor have you seen it (laughs) no but i saw the post from redis synopsis okay moving on this is Um, probably what they were like (laughs) i mean is there anything that you would like to see with with this in the future any place you would like to see this go
1: see i don't know where it goes i'm 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 hoping it doesn't become because he's kind of a tony stark meets uh captain america in a way because he's at He's a he's a good guy. He doesn't have those, you know, as many demons or anything. He, he is very... Uh, has a moral code and he sticks to it. But he's also rich and has a suit and all those things. He's kind of the meeting between those two. And I hope it's not just like after Infinity War, those two leave. He fills in and he just serves that role. Like the next movie needs to be a Wakanda movie. It's called Black Panther. But for it to be successful, it needs to be a Wakanda movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's... The, you know, they, I I noticed ta Coates is in the thinks here, but um, I was sort of expecting this to have a little more of his uh, Black Panther arc. And I, I read the first volume of, of it when it, when it came out, I haven't read, I know there's at least one more out now, but um, that his whole story, at least the, the what five or six issues that I've read is sort of about inner turmoil within Wakanda and people Mm -hmm. challenging saying, and they do that. They do that a little bit here, a little bit. Um, but it all kind of revolves around this. Actually the, like the female warrior characters rising up and saying they, they keep repeating the mantra. No one man should have all that power. Um, which is great. Uh, quoting Kanye. Um, but this sort of, it's, it's actually a, sort of cultural revolution within Wakanda going on um and a which you know is leading towards perhaps civil war that could be an interesting thing to to explore to give us the full scope of uh of the country itself as well
1: and if we want to go back to um you said you know the superhero genre as a western, and it works best when it's a reflection of society. It's definitely already drawing on traits like: should we help people from other countries? Should we stay within our own borders? All those things, uh, isolationism versus globalism, if you will. So maybe the next movie will be influenced by the by the things that happen between now and when they start
0: shooting. The next movie I see. I I don't I don't know. It doesn't need to be like not
1: directly, but influenced by playing in that same space of maybe there is a movement to shut Wakanda back down. Because the whole
0: Edward Snowden bit of Civil War was terrible. (sighs) You just hate Bucky. I do hate Bucky. That's true. I You're just hate. letting
1: it spill in the other good things. I do get off the Bucky. Bucky hate.
0: No, but all the like in stuff that was going on with the uh, in in some that that stuff was bad.
1: You you just think he looks like Edward Snowden? No, what? I not Bucky, even. the other guy.
0: No. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, uh, one thing, you know, I've I've been putting a lot of praise on this. I Jake, I did not like the casino scene.
1: Uh, yeah. Again, I thought the action was hard to follow. I thought it was shot
0: well. I thought the, like, the one, the one tick thing, it was fine. It, it wasn't, it didn't do much for me. It, it was a little too much of a, like, it felt like a direct skyfall, either rip or homage, depending on how you want to
1: look at it. It, To me, it felt like it had the potential to be a really great set piece fight, and it really wasn't. It was, it was okay. I
0: thought it was better once it got to the street but – because I, I thought some yeah. of that stuff was fun with, like, his sister in the, like, remote car and
1: – Yeah, and the spear taking that car out was really neat and some yeah. of the other stuff was. um But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, also, I just didn't love Martin Freeman that much in this. I, I thought he did a great accent and he was fine, but, like, I didn't care about his character.
0: It, see, that – you're not the first person that, that said that to me, and it's a – it's a weird thing because it feels like this character was written for him specifically. Like this is, this is a Martin Freeman type character, but it Mm -hmm. just doesn't, you're right. It, it doesn't, it doesn't completely come together and it doesn't completely, completely work. Um, he was, his character has no
1: arc. He's just there watching. Like I thought maybe it would play in at the end. Like he would stay
0: and and (laughs) he's the token white guy or the token white guy. (sighs) As is Andy Serkis. Um, thank you very much. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm not the first person to make that joke. You're not. I don't. I there's don't there's no way. Um, but no, I and he's fine. He's fine. I he just I feel like he could have done more with it. Like, I feel like he could have done more with it.
1: I'm not even asking for more from that character. I just I'm wondering why it was even necessary to have him. Like, I, I thought where it was going to go is, OK, we solve this problem internally and now we have to solve this, whatever his character's name, this well, maybe CIA guy problem. you
0: bring up where do we go next. Maybe that's where we go next. Maybe he's sort of like a uh, – oh, what's his name? Felix um, from, from James Bond. Um, well, Felix. Uh, maybe he's that sort of – he's like a liaison with uh, T'Challa – um and you know sort of us wakanda relationships and uh, relations and then maybe they have a falling out or maybe they have a you know because a sabotage a, a sabotage ugh, like <laughs> a, um a a difference of opinion about the way the us is handling something versus the way wakanda thinks they should i mean maybe that's maybe that's where you take it
1: i i'm sure they're introducing him for later because he's too big of a name and too pointless of a role to just be standing around unless it really was the studio like give us a white guy too
0: but it might not be for later in this either
1: and and he might be important in infinity war we don't know and that that is one of the unique things about having this cinematic universe is just because something didn't pay off in this movie doesn't mean it will never pay off unless it's Bucky oh, God, get off the bucky thing just suggest a beer already
0: Spoilers. Her regular dad. We're We're to
1: the the time For All right. So uh, if, if you're a first time listener to the show, one thing Chris always does is he likes to uh, suggest a beer to pair with the film that you watch. So, Chris, do you have a good suggestion for
0: us this time? Uh, I think I have a very, very solid Pairing this time. Uh, I'm going with Lizard of Cause by Founders Brewing Company. This is a uh, Imperial Stout coming in at 1.5% ABV and 40 IBU. So um, a little there's 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 a little bit of bitterness there, but it's it's buried under a whole lot. And and this is a really rich chocolatey dark beer. Um it's it's aged on blueberries. Uh, chocolate and vanilla in uh, bourbon barrel casks uh, to, to give it. So it's, it's this nice, well-rounded it's got, you know, some, some fruity notes, some good sweetness, but then, a, but then also a bite coming out of that Oak um, that, that makes it a really good complex beer. So it, it hits you up top with sort of the, like it, it, you can really smell the blueberries in the, um, in the top of it. You could taste it up front, but then as it sort of settles, It, you get the chocolate and then it goes into that, that sort of boozy bite and, and that, that oakiness that's really solid. It's a really solid sort of round trip of flavor. Um, and I, I think it would pair well with this for no other reason than it is an incredible imperial stout. And that feels like sort of the, the way I should go with black Panther, um, and, uh, an incredible imperial stout and i could think of no better beer to pair with black panther so that's lizard of cause from founders
1: black panther is currently playing in packed movie theaters nationwide if you've seen it tell us your thoughts at hello at war or
0: if email isn't your thing we'd still have to hear from you ring the red phone and leave us a voicemail at 484-424-6362 that's 484 4 cinema stick around for our really rad recommendations coming up next All right, Jake, it's time for Really red Recommendations again. What do you got for us this week?
1: Well, I've been sitting around just waiting to uh, recommend an Italian film I saw lately. I just don't feel like this is the week for it because (laughs) I just want to tell everybody go and watch Creed. Okay. Jeez, it's by Ryan Coogler. I waited a long time to see it, and I really like Rocky, like, a lot. And so I don't know why I waited, but I I streamed it the other night um, on Hulu, I believe, and, man, I was missing out. And and that wasn't even in prep work for Black Panther. It's just something I wanted to watch. But it, it just doesn't surprise me that uh, they brought in Ryan Kugler to say, hey, you're making like the 100th film in this franchise. Uh, and you just did that for the Rocky franchise. So why don't you come in and make Black Panther?
0: Yeah, can and, you invigorate this with something different and new and fresh and brilliant? Like you managed to do to the Rocky franchise.
1: Also, bring your friend Michael B. Jordan because he's great.
0: Because he's great. Also, Creed, better than Rocky
1: you're wrong about that Be- but it's very good
0: better movie than rocky
1: It it is it is really it, you're you're way wrong about that we haven't we, we have a whole episode where chris is really wrong about rocky that you can go back in the archives and find
0: if if you want to hear me talk trash on rocky yeah i'll link that in the show notes uh we 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 put rocky up against raging bull spoilers it wasn't much of a fight for me because rocky's a bad movie Apollo Creed is a great character. Rocky Balboa, terrible character. (laughs) What, you shut your mouth? There's
1: some first-time listener who's like, this guy hates Bucky and Rocky. Uh,
0: No, Creed's great. Creed's really great. And you haven't seen the Fruitvale Station, is that right? I have not. Is that something I should seek out? It it is something you should definitely seek out. I mean, it's certainly a bit more of a downer than these, um, but really, really remarkable stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm interested to see where where Ryan Coogler goes next, and and I want to want to explore a little deeper. I think was this his fourth film? I saw
0: this is a th- uh, I believe it's his third. I don't know if he if he had something before Fruitvale Station. I am unaware of it.
1: Okay, no, it, it's his third. I just I just verified. Um, yeah, I mean. I, I, I got to go and find it now. got to be a completionist. Uh, but if you have not seen Creed, you can find it streaming on Hulu, Amazon Prime, or Epix. And I highly suggest it. So seek it out, even if you're not a Rocky fan.
0: Yeah, I think this is one that you could actually, you could come into this totally blind, not knowing anything about Rocky, and you'd be fine. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it, it, it is in the universe, but you don't have to know, and they fill you in on all the important parts. Um, so So, Chris, what do you have to recommend?
0: You know, it's weird that you recommend Creed here. I mean, I guess it's not weird. We just talked about Black, Black Panther. Um, but we've got a connection between – got, we've got this triangle going on here. Mm-hmm. So you recommended Creed, which was directed by Ryan Coogler. I am recommending Crum, the documentary by Terry Zweigoff, uh, that was shot by uh, Maurice Alberti. Who is the DP for Creed? Because Rachel Morrison, I yeah. I think, was unavailable. She she shot Fruitvale Station. She didn't shoot Creed because she was unavailable. So Maurice Alberte, who's I mean, she shot a bunch of stuff. She shot stuff for Aronofsky and and all sorts of folks. Um, but she she shot this documentary, and I think she really brings a lot a lot to it. This is a uh, Have you seen Crumb, Jake? I have not. Okay, I know we we had a professor an art professor in uh college who was all about like who pushed it pretty hard and i never got around to it in college i just caught up with it recently on filmstruck um and it's it is a marvel it is something that's um it's a lot of things at once it, it, it begins with this card that says presented by david lynch which is the perfect way to sort of set you in the mindset of where things are going. So Arcrum, uh do you know anything are you familiar with him at all? No, not okay. not at all. I'm about to learn something. Okay, so he he was this um is this uh kind of outsider counterculture comics artist. Um, started making comics back when he was a kid, like really young, with his uh, w- with his brother Charles, and then uh, as he you know grew up in in the middle of the sort of hippie heyday, uh, he began to kind of grow this this following, and he started making these underground comics, and um, then became became a well regarded artist in his own right. Who you know uh, he. In in the film, he's you know going to gallery showings and, and whatnot. Very, his very distinct style with um, the way that he uses lines and also the content. It's very, uh, very R-rated, perverse sort of. So a lot of a lot of small men being riding around on the backs of large women and women with very, very voluptuous everything. And, um, I, I mean, I, I bet you have seen some of his work and if you see it, like if you see one piece, you'll be like, oh no, I've, I've seen other stuff from him as well. Um, but it's, it's this basically Terry's Wygoff just sort of follows him around and, um, interviews him. He's such a, he's such an open book about everything from his art to his fetishes to that, that go into a lot of his art. Um, that it's, it's really kind of just a remarkable snapshot of a person in a time and a place. And then also extremely tragic as well. I mean, it, um, he, there's these interviews with, uh, Robert Crumb's brothers, Charles and Maxon, um, that, that are really heartbreaking and candid, but not, you know, they, they, fall in that territory that could, if approached incorrectly feel really invasive but but the interviews are very delicately uh, handled in a way that that feels like you know got really cares about uh, cares about all these he's not just he's not trying to exploit anyone. Um, and it's it's remarkable. it's I don't think it's on filmstruck anymore um, but you can rent it on iTunes. Um, I'm not sure if it's available anywhere else. There's also a Criterion Blu-ray out there that uh, a, a lot of the features were on FilmStruck, and I actually there's there's a great full-length commentary between Terry Zwigoff and um, uh, Roger Ebert that's really good. Um, that if you if you watch it and you want more, I highly recommend that because they've they've got a really good dialogue back and forth. Um, Ebert sort of interviewing Zwigoff about how you know different parts of the film as as they go through it. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a, (laughs) it is a bit of a heavy watch, but it's also, uh, it's, it's a remarkable piece of filmmaking, a remarkable piece of documentary filmmaking for sure.
1: It is too bad that it's not on Filmstruck anymore because I am days away from caving and getting it. I just, (laughs) at at this point, there's just movies I want to watch that I can't find. And Filmstruck is, is what my, what my plan is to get them.
0: For me anymore, it's between Filmstruck and Fandor is... Kind of where really? I end up, yeah, I, I've been watching a lot on Fandor lately. Never, you, um, Fandor doesn't have ads, right? No, Fandor doesn't have ads, and it's only so it's only five bucks a month. But now, if you do, I think a year long subscription with uh, Movie Pass, they throw in a year of Fandor as well. So, really, and yeah. you're
1: liking Movie Pass?
0: Uh, I am liking Movie Pass so far. It was the I, I ran into a little trouble with Black Panther because I thought no one's going to see Black Panther at ten a.m. on a Monday. Wrong. So I had to buy. I had to buy a ticket for two hours later. <laughs> oh, that um, sucks. That yeah, it was it. Was okay, uh, but it's all right. Yeah,
1: and that's a wrap for another episode of War Starts at Midnight. Join us in another Fortnite for a brand new episode of the Carpenter Shop, our ongoing exploration of director John Carpenter's colossal canon. Next time, we're discussing his sci-fi romance from 1984, starring Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen, Starman. Look for it at your public library or rent it from any number of impeccable purveyors of motion pictures.
0: You can find us online at WarStartsmidnight.com for show notes and more, or say hello on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WSAMpod. If you enjoy the show, rate and subscribe to it in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to fine audio programming. It'll help us grow the Midnight Warrior Clan, and it'll make you feel awesome.
1: On the other hand, if you're the trolling type who simply hate listening through these credits, go ahead and tell us everything we got wrong at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or if you're a narcissist, you can leave us a voicemail and see if we play it. Just ring that bright red telephone at
0: 484-424-6362. The War Starts a Midnight theme song was produced by Justin Streck. The spoiler alert theme song is by The Taylor Machine. Check them out at facebook.com/slash the Taylor Machine. And shout out to Manman Man for the featured music on this week's show. Find more at ManmanBanBand.com. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you again in a fortnight. I'm kidding, we're vegetarians.